Interesting. Okay, so I, I just want to share a couple of words, first of all, about the Baal Yartzai, or Shai ben Armoshe, because the two Hale Yidin, sitting to my right and to my left, both said interesting Yakudas I just want to talk about for a minute. But the first thing is that I happen to be standing facing that direction, and peripherally this painting was in my peripheral left-hand vision when they brought the food out and I think I saw him smile. I'm not sure. <laughs> I think was that the this, this little bit, I'm not sure it was there. So Shaila better Moshe is for sure smiling and he's having a tremendous amount of, of nachas from the Achnasas Archim and the Chesed of Rabbi Yehuda for hosting this every week and for sending this incredible spread. For all of us, the Chaim, Rabbi Yehuda, you should be zeched to us a lot of beautiful, beautiful events. And so, first of all, Harshal asked about food. What's the Indian of food? What's the Indian of food? And so, very basically, briefly, the Rav Shachaim, Rav Chaim of Elazhen, he is very calm. It's in a, it's in a one. Yeah, the There you go. So Rav writes that food is a, is, a, is a really very holy, a very special thing. Because if a person doesn't eat food for a significant amount of time, a few hours, certainly a day, two days, three days, he begins to grow extremely weak. Parenthetically, one of the beautiful things about a fast day is that Outside of everything else, you know, we're not focused on eating and drinking so we can focus on Kedusha. It's just a good reminder how fragile we are. How fragile we are. A couple of hours go by and already I'm ice mensch because I didn't put something in my mouth. It's a crazy thing. We're so fragile. And that's one of the nakudas that a fast day is supposed to teach us. But as Yidin who believe that the human being is not a physical being, he's a composite of Ruchnius and Gashmis, we believe that we are an Ashama in a guf. We understand that Bipnimius, the reason that we become weak when we haven't eaten in some time, like the Nevi says, is because the Neshama starts to retreat from the Guf. And that's what makes the Guf weaker. And that's why a person, Loyalenu, maybe at 119 years old in 364 days, slowly but surely he grows progressively weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker until the Neshama leaves. That's what it means when we feel weak. A little bit the Neshama can't settle. And... This also brings to mind the teaching of the Magad Mizrich, who taught that a small hole in the body is a big hole in the, in the Neshama. If the guf is not complete, so then there's a chilek of the Neshama that cannot be manifest completely. And so that means that taking care of our guf, outside of getting into the Kabbalah in a second, which we'll talk about food, but just taking care of the guf is not a hechsher mitzvah. It's not like something that parenthetically we need to do because it says It's literally Look at the Lashen It doesn't say And it's talking about the Guf It's literally Literally Eating healthy Exercising I'm preaching to myself primarily Especially after Pesach No, I'm serious I'm serious I'm always thinking Even if I can't all the time But like Taking care of the Guf whether physically, and I'll also say emotionally, it's the same thing. It's mamish, mamish a tshuva gufanit, Rav Kook called it. It's mamish a tshuva, it's mamish Yiddishkeit, avodis Hashem on the highest level. So that's something to, to keep in mind as we have a Gevalt feast that we need to go on a two-mile jog tomorrow to work on. <laughs> <laughs>
taking care of the goof, right? So the Nebuchadnezzar Chaim says that eating binds the neshama back to the goof. When a person eats, what's happening is, is that the bond between neshama and goof is strengthened. Memela, that's why we feel like we have more chiyas after we eat, because that's what food accomplishes. It's a tool. It's a tool. Then he says that what our eating does to our neshama guf connection, tefillah and Torah does for the neshama guf connection on the world level, which means that the world is a guf, but the world has a neshama. We call that neshama Hashem, right? And in brachas. Five ways that the neshama is compared to Nafshi, five ways that Hashem is comparable to what the neshama is to the guf. Hashem is to the cosmos. Hashem is to all of physical existence. Torah and tefillah, he says, are referred to in the Zara Kaddish as the interpretation of what Yitzhak Avinu told to Esav, that he should prepare matamim. Mm. What's matamim? Says the Zara, two types of matamim, but he says it's, it's deep, it's, it's not Yitzhak and it's not Esav, it's Hashem. It's talking to Am Yisrael, prepare me matamim. Torah and tefillah. He says, Torah and tefillah, have the same effect on the world that eating lechem and, and mayim, drinking mayim, have within our inner world with our bodies. And so that means very deeply that what Rabbi Shaiwa ben Rabbi Moshe was doing in feeding Yidin, outside the chesed aspect, outside any, any other just basic, it's a, it's a gemilas hasadim to give someone food. But to be Isaac in feeding people is to be Isaac in literally strengthening the bond between neshama and guf in the person's internal world. And when we see each neshama as being a chelik al-kamimah, what that means is Rabbi Shaila ben Ramosha was making this world into a dir betachtoinim by guaranteeing that every single potential chelik of a person's neshama was mamish functioning fully in the Eilam Agashmi. That's a very deep nakuda that Rabbi Shaila ben Ramosha was engaged in. So it goes beyond um, feeding people. I don't know if this is beyond or maybe feeding people is beyond this. I don't know what's holier or what's higher because sometimes the pshitas of something is already so great. But that's another nakuta to keep in mind. You have a Shabbos guest. It's not stam, you're having somebody over for Shabbos and you're giving him food that he may, may not have had otherwise. What you're doing is, is you're, you're helping his neshama to, to, to reveal itself in his guf in a, in a, in a greater way. Is the same thing as Panusa or is that a separate department completely? Parnasa is, is in a sense the same thing because if you give a person Parnasa, presumably now they have money to be able to buy their their needs, right? But we're talking about giving a person their needs in whatever way. Food is it, it's more it's, it's more there, you know. It's it's mamish the thing. Parnasa, you know, it's in front of you, right? So that's what, uh, what Herschel asked, and what, what were you talking about? Akiva talked about... No, before that, before that, when we were talking about Rav Shaila Bar Moshe. that one? Oh, his Avoida, right. So, so what, was his, what do we know about his Avoida? So as far as I'm, as far as I'm aware, this, this was his Avoida. Meaning his Avoida was the pshitas of the fact that he took care of people. He fed Yidin. I don't know much about him, so wasn't he fed? He was the Gabay Tzedakah. He was in charge of giving out the Bilkalach and the rolls for all the Hasidim. He was making sure that all the Gashmias um, um, needs read the book. for all the for all the Yidin, whether they were the Hasidim of his Rebbe or his or his Hasidim, was, were taken care of. Thank you, Who is his Rebbe? I don't know. 
Litz, uh, Litz, the Litz, the Lisker, right? The Lisker. That was his in. That was his Indian. And then he became a chassid of the Debrachan. These by the sons of the Lord. They do it, do it. The sons of the Lord gave him the keys. Sons of the Lord said that he was my Rothschild. That was his big gathering. Yeah. Sweet for the food. I'm not mistaken by the Hila. I'm not mistaken by the Hila. What to prepare for you then? I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Shimmy. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that, the that's why. Shimmy, hear that? The Ela used to leave the Ela in Kippa Ali. Why? To go prepare for you to have food. The Ela in Yom Kippa. This is talking about Tzadok. He loves no Tzadok. That was his thing. He was running into Matzah Yom Tov and he would leave the Ela to go and prepare food. Tzadok leaving the Ela, do you know what I'm saying? Prepare for the Chasidim. As food was a priority to the Ela. So that's another lesson for us. Another lesson for us is that uh, uh, we have to keep this in mind. And mamish, I mean this on the simplest level. All of us are here because we want to grow in our Vodas Hashem. And we want to, we're, we're yearning to hear some etza, some haimadrega, some big thing, learn a deep taira, uh, you know, have a, a tefillah with higher kavana, and all this is important. But it's, it's absolutely true that the simplest, most basic acts of kindness and goodness in the, in the context of friendships, in the context of family, in the context of being uh, a, a son to parents, in the context of hopefully all of us are being a father to children, the simplest, simplest things is mamish the highest avayda there is. Now we can't have that all the time. We have a Torah that asks things of us. But chas v'shalom, we should ever consider it to be a bidi ever, or we should get frustrated because we're held back from doing what we think is a big avayda because we have to take care of something that we think is small. You brought up Rabbi Yaakov Meir Shachter before. Rabbi Yaakov Meir had a very, very difficult life. Anybody who knows a little bit of his story, his primary challenge was that he had a wife who never was out of her mind. My father says that he remembers the Bachran being scared to go to his house because she would physically attack them. If they would knock on the door and she was around, she would, she would, mamish, like mamish crazy, not, not functional. Like a, never. Crazy, crazy, and, he, and, and crazy stuff. When he married her, she was like, yeah. no. No, so no, no. Nebuch, they lost a bunch of children. Just terrible, terrible, terrible he has life. A disabled, yeah. Ah, so that's what I want to talk about. He has, he had a disabled son as well. On top of everything else. Disabled daughter as well. Really? Yeah. So it may have been his daughter. I don't know. Maybe it's a son or a daughter. Could be just a daughter. Yeah. My father said, I don't know if he saw this story personally, or I heard it from somebody else, or my father told it to me. But Rabbi Meir was the Baltikea for the kibbutz in Uman. My father said, I don't know if he saw this or he told it to me, that someone else told him. But one year, my father saw that Rabbi Yaakov is getting ready to do his tikkiyas, all the kavanas and everything involved. And he's about to blow the first tikkiyah. And somebody came and tapped him on the shoulder and whispered something in his ear. He put down the shoifer. He walked to the back of the shul. Everybody's watching. Maybe some people followed him <coughs> into a back room. Nebuch, his disabled child, had a dirty diaper. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Nebuch, whatever, crazy. And it ended up that she made, or he made the, the, the whole walls dirty from the diaper. So, Mamish all over the walls. Or took a package of tissues or napkins or whatever, and he, he cleaned the walls. And everybody waited. Tkiyah Shaifer, Rav Yaakov can clean up after his child. And it's not a suffix to me that there was not a, a flicker of any kind of Chalisha Sadas. How could there be? 
How could there be Khalisha Sadas? She's human. Isn't what she, he's human, she's human. This is the, the this is the pinnacle of Avaida. Isn't this what Tkiya Shaifer is about? That we hope that Hashem will clean up the mess that we made? So what's what's higher than cleaning up the mess that our kids make? Or the mess that some somebody else makes, or the mess that we make, or just the day-to-day messes or the day-to-day taking care of of um of the Avaida Vyidin. It's a big thing. So that was his Avaida. A non Avaida, which is the highest Avaida there is. To take care of people. So that's why we celebrate when we have the privilege to, and we mark the yard site by eating. By eating, by feeling the Nishama settle into the goof, getting stronger, manifesting within us. And in Rabbi Yehuda's case, by emulating the chesed of Rabbi Shai ben Ramosha. I am And outside is Simchas Torah. Mm. And, and they say that prayer. by... And maybe at the bottom is prayer. <laughs> so they say by Rav Shaila Karastir, and the inside is Yom Kippur, and outside is Erev Yom Kippur. Because of all the food that they're serving. <laughs> so this is Mama Shabachin of Erev Yom Kippur. <laughs> okay. So B'Siyat HaVashmaya, we've been learning Torah Aleph. Just to do a very quick recap, we learned that Al Yedea Torah, through learning Torah and living a lifestyle of Torah, which we'll talk a lot about. This helps all of our tefillas and all of our kashas be accepted and received. And that causes that a certain chain and a chashivas of Am Yisrael is elevated and it helps that our tefillah should be answered. The Torah that we learn. Chain is elevated, brought out, revealed. And Mamela, we have a certain chain. 
And Mamela, that chain helps that whatever we ask, whether it's from other people, whether it's from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, it's received. And we learned... Let's just take a look at the second paragraph. We'll read it inside very quickly. The mission statement of what it means to be a Yehudi, what it means to be a Yisraeli, is to constantly be looking toward the Seichel that is within everything. To bind ourselves. We talked about identifying with this experience. This is the essence of why I'm here in this world, is to find meaning and challenge. That is why I am here. It's not a side thing. And that, of course, necessitates challenge, right? In order for me to find meaning in it. That is my atzmius. That's why I was sent to this world. That's why you and all of us were sent to this world and are here. And when a person does that, says the Rebbe, that inner intellect begins to shine for the person. That exists within everything. So that so that we can come close to Hashem through that thing, through that davar, through that experience. And a person lives what we described as a, an illuminated life, a life filled with meaning, a life filled with hope. Because a living life aware of the purpose and everything, which is what we call amuna, to believe that Hashem has a plan and that everything is orchestrated, every single thing is orchestrated and every single thing is for our best to help us develop, to help us reveal the godliness within ourselves that's our gadol. And it lights up a person's ways. This is the antidote to living a life of darkness. Is to begin to recognize that the darkness has meaning. The darkness has a purpose. As the Pasuk says in, Tehil, in Kahalas, rather, Chachmas Adam taught your panav. The Chachma of a person lights up his face. He saw a big tzaddikim. They shone, they shined, right? But the Rebbe is using a drasha to say panav means a person's face, but it could also mean lifanav. Ta'ir fanav. It lights up what is before him. It shines for him. There's a purpose in me taking another step, even though it feels like it's so dark I can't carry on. Ta'ir panav. Well, there's meaning here. Hashem puts us in situations so that we will walk through those situations, not stay put. He wants us to do everything we can in our shtadlos, in moments of godlos, Big tefillah, learning, redoubled efforts in Vedas Hashem and so on. In moments of katnas, just the next breath, whatever you can, but intentionally to bring HaKadosh Baruch Hu into this, whatever it is, a smallish tadlus, every person knows in their own matzah what next step they can take. The point is there is a next step. We're not asking 10 steps from now. We're not talking about the next mile. We're talking about moment to moment. What is my next step? to go where I need to go in the direction that I need to travel. It's never about a goal. It's always about the direction that we're facing. The next step. So he says, this lifestyle, Zebuchinus Yaakov, this is an aspect of Yaakov Avinu. Ki Yaakov because we know that Yaakov Avinu, we're just reviewing quickly, Yaakov Avinu is to the Bechayra, which he took, he bought from Esav, but which was his birthright. Shehu 
And to be a Bechar means to be first. And to be first, means to be connected to the concept of a plan. Because that's what happens first. You first make a plan, and then you carry it out. You don't carry out the plan and then make the plan. Planning comes first. And so planning is an aspect of racious, racious, as the Pasuk says, as he brings, Bechinas, racious Chachma, Kameshikas of racious Chachma. And that's the Indian of the Bechaira that Yaakov Avinu bought. So what does it mean now that we learn, based on everything we're learning, that Yaakov Avinu bought the Bechar from Esau? It doesn't just mean that he bought the birthright. It means that Yaakov Avinu is a kind of person that buys into Bechar living, which means to connect to the plan that is embedded within life, within every step. That's what it means that Yaakov bought the Bechar. We'll talk about Esau in the next paragraph. And that's literally what the name means, what the name Yaakov, Yaakov Avinu means. I'm sorry, is that right? The Targum Unkelis says, what does it mean, which we really translate as, he tricked me two times. That was Esav speaking. Targum Unkelis says, He tricked me. He outsmarted me. That's, that means that the word Yaakov means, we're learning here, Chacham. Yaakveini, Chakmeini. Fine. So that's the Indian of Yaakov Avinu. And that's the Indian of this kind of lifestyle, to find the Chachma in everything, the meaning in everything, which is the Lichtigkeit in everything. The way that life is shining even when it's dark, maybe specifically when it's dark. I gave in Chicago a shir on the Indian of Haidsha um, B'Gvura. And the whole shir was about that, like different perspectives, how to... Thank Hashem for the Gvura, for the darkness. Different, different Mahalchim. The Baal Tanya in Igeris HaKodesh, Yud Aleph, which is like a very famous Chabad teaching. It's called La Skil Chabina. And they print it out in pamphlets as a standalone thing. They distribute it. To look at this whole piece. La Skil Chabina, but over there, the Baal Tanya says that experiences of darkness are more light than experiences of great light. Because he said that everything is rooted in a master plan that HaKadosh Baruch Hu decides what's good for us. But he says, the Pasuk tells us, Hashem says, don't think that your puny way of thinking or understanding things compares to, to Hashem's master plan with the infinite mind that has infinite calculations regarding all of our different Gilgulim and the different things that we need to fix up. And every single level, we, we have no asago what's going on. Hashem says, oh, my machshavas are not your machshavas. Says the Baal Tanya, if that's the case, then how deep can it be? When something happens to us that's good and we know that it's good. If we can understand that it's good, so it, might, it must not be that great a level of goodness. So everything is good. If something happens to us that's good and we can understand that it's good, so fine, it's good. But it's like it fits your limited understanding of it. He says, something good happens to you that you think is bad? Gefalt, is that good? Because <laughs> that's that must be rooted in a place where it's so good that you couldn't couldn't understand it. So it must be it's good on Hashem's level. Good. That's what the Balatani says. So this is a way of living Yaakov Avinu lifestyle, but it has different pechinas. So he says, This is encapsulated and symbolized in the symbol of the sun. Why? Very simply, a very simple symbol. Simple, simple. Because the way that we're describing this lifestyle, so it's lichtig, it's full of light. Even the darkness, or specifically the darkness. 
So this is the sun. And this is an aspect of what the, what the Pasuk in Mishle tells us, that the way of the righteous, the way of the tzaddikim is is like a glowing light that gets stronger and stronger until midday, which is a clear reference to the sun, which rises in the morning, it gets stronger and stronger until midday. So the Pasuk is telling us the way of the tzaddikim is bound up with, with the sun, right? Meaning they live a life of sunlight. They live a life of finding the meaning, the clarity, the or, the behiras, so that I'm not afraid to take the next step because I might be walking off a cliff because it's so dark, I don't know what's happening. No, it's, it's, it's lichdig. And the next step you'll take is a secure one. There's a ground under your feet. There's a path that's been paved before you. Ta'irapanav. We can move ahead in life. This is the way of tzaddikim. And then he adds one last bechina of this concept, zebechinas ches. This is the idea of the letter ches, which is a lashon of chius. Because if you take the letter ches and you spell it out, so it's not just the letter ches, because you cannot pronounce ches. You just make the sound of it. But the only way to pronounce the letter ches is by pronouncing ches, yud, taf. Then you said ches. The yud and a taf. When the letter ches is spelled out, so it's a word, and that word means vitality. Lashen chiyas. Life force. Why are so many people without any chiyas? Without any life force. Mom is just schlepping around, <laughs> shuffling their feet, hunched over. What does it mean when a person has no chiyas? It means that a person has, on whatever level, they've lost hope. They've lost hope. And it doesn't mean that they lost hope of making another 100 pounds because they'll be at work the next day, maybe. Maybe they'll actively pursue a life of gashmias and that could be, that's, that's where they get their chiyas, maybe. Rabbi Din Steinzaltz, he has a beautiful sefer called Chai Oilam on the Parsha. So I was just taking a look. So he, he was a big Chabad Mashpia, very, very fascinating person. Very deep, deep, gentle person. So... He says that two of the simonim of Tumah in Saras, which we learned about in last week's double parsha, Tazir Mitzayra, see, he says the first thing is in order for it to be Tameh, there has to be Basar Mace. There has to be dead skin. If there's no dead skin, so it's, it's tar, right? There has to be at the center dead skin, which is why the hair grows white, right? Which is another simon, because the skin is dead. And so there's no vitality for the, for the hairs that are growing within that patch of affected skin or flesh. So he says, because the first sign of Tumah is, is death, right? Literally, Tumas Mace, right, is the, is, the, is the primary of all Tumas. Where does that Tumah come from? Well, it comes from a vacuum of life. When the life force leaves... Misa is the root of Tumah. The root of Tumah, Misa, exactly. The concept of Misa, it's the Hepech of Kedusha, which is Hashem, which is the Hepech of Misa. Exactly. Right, it's the Chalal. But he says there's another simon also. He says if a person starts to develop live skin in that patch and comes to the kain and says, well, look, it's getting better. He says, that's also tamehu. That's not, that's not called healing. So Steinzold says, but where, where could it come from that you could have live skin within the dead skin of the negatsaras that was the negatsaras because it was full of dead skin because it's tamehu. So he says, Nebuch, there are some people that start to get their chiyas from Tumah. He says, that's already a next level. 
says the first thing is a person's dead, so a person's dead. But once a person starts to, he, he puts it in the context of Lashon Hara, he says, okay, there are some people who say Lashon Hara. But he says then there are some people that their whole chiyas comes from Lashon Hara. It's live skin that's in the dead skin. That's already something. That's, that's also Tamehu. Right? So you can get your chiyas, not you, but a person can, can chas v'shalom get their chiyas from, from that. But it means that we gave up hope that it's possible to live a life of goodness. It's possible to live a life of, of wholesomeness. We're going to learn about tamimas. Any time that a person loses another chilek of that, some part of you dies. And this is why, without getting to the whole thing, but this is the story of the lost princess. This is why the journey from childhood to adulthood is such a traumatic one. Because what happens along that journey, which by the way also involves a lot of confusion, and if that confusion is not dealt with in a healthy way, it could cause tremendous shvira as I'm sure you know. It's a very important book that was put out a, uh, either a year or two ago, or maybe a year ago, by Dr. Shlemy Zimmerman. I don't know if you saw it from Lakewood. It's called um, From Boys to Men, or something like that, by Mosaica Press. And it's very, very prevalent for fathers of, 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 of children, uh, of boys. Very, very crucially important, I would even say, to get your hands on this book, or a similar book, which basically guides a parent into how to deal with their child developing and discovering their bodies, if that sugya is not dealt with properly, forget about it. Terrible, terrible shvir. Terribly mis, uh, uh, misconstrued understandings of the sugya of, of sexuality. And, um, and it can lead to terrible shvira, you know, which will not be the kid's fault you know, in a certain way. Meaning it's, it'll, it'll become his sugya that he needs to deal with. But we can head off a lot of issues by learning how to deal with this in a sensitive, mature, healthy, responsible balanced, compassionate way. Very, very important. So if you can, uh, try to get your book on, your hands on that book if you can. Um, I'll post a link another to the chat. I have it at home. So aside from that being a difficult transition, along with discovering these things, and I'm sure that you can relate, I can relate in my own life, but I don't know, maybe I'm sure that you can also, because we all took this journey. It's like a part of you dies when the innocence is lost. Right, without going into the pratim of it, but like, adults do that, right? Boom, something died. Something died, right? Especially if it's perceived to be something dirty and it's not dealt with in, an, in a healthy way. Something dies. And it's a series of, of breakings that happen throughout that journey to the point that when you become inducted into the world of adults, essentially you join a group of cynical, sarcastic people who have so long given up on the possibility of living a life of, of, of just using the word Kedusha, but I, I just mean real authenticity, simple joy, just being like free, free from masks, which I talked about in the podcast, free from, from just uh, to be. And that's why you see so many teenagers, and everybody blames down on the teenagers, all the teenagers today, they're all the can't get out of bed. It's just because they are more acutely aware of what they've lost and it's fresher to them. The adults are already having chiyas from their death. <laughs> they already have live skin in the dead saras. The teenagers, all they have is the dead saras. The live skin hasn't developed yet. They don't know how to get chiyas from that. All they feel is that something was lost. So they, they find it the hardest because they're more connected to what's going on. And the whole secret of Yiddishkeit, specifically, Alpidadarach of the great town, the, the Rabbi Nachman, is to, is to rediscover that lost princess. 
that gets lost, Baderech, like Rabbi Nachman started that story by saying, Baderech, Siparti Maisa, I told a story along the journey. Which journey? The journey that all of us take from childhood to adulthood. So the key is to realize I can live a life of authenticity, meaning I don't have to be party to these games that society plays just because they happen to play them, whether I live in the States, whether I live here, where the argument could be made that somewhat more of a game is played, I don't know, but I don't have to be a party to that. I, I, I can be free from that. I can live the way that I need to live that's aligned to my inner neshama journey. And even if other people don't think that it's cool or respectable or they think it's weird or a couple of chevra are picking up the sheets of the Rebbe's pharmacy and, and making a joke about it Friday night or whatever the nakuda is, similar circumstances to actual things may or may not be whatever, fine, cool. Like that's, that's their thing. That's their trip, you know? Maybe they'll come around to it one day, but that doesn't make me have any iota of chalisha sadas lahepech, lahepech, lahepech. I say, ashreinu matoiv chalkeinu, that I can live a life of just being me. What a freedom. What a total freedom, right? Chiyas. To get chiyas from a life of sunshine, of hope, of mamish living with Hamuna. We spoke in the first few shirim that we gave, remember? About uh, the whole nature is, is an experience of Hashem. To really feel this way and to remind ourselves of this and to try to live with this, it's easier said than done, like most things. This is chiyas, lashen chiyas. Ki achachma kal davar. Also, on a theoretical level, on a conceptual level, the chachma of a thing is the chiyas of a thing. Because the strategy has life, meaning what I mean is it has coherence. It works because planning went into it. That's why it works. An invention works. When I say work, I mean chiyas. It functions because of the intellect that went into it to make sure that this thing should function, right? And so living a life of connectivity with the master plan means that I'm plugged into the functionality of things, which is very deep because most people think that my life no longer has any function. Either I've destroyed all meaning in it or I do more harm than good or I can't, I, my life is not functional, meaning I'm not contributing to the functional development of the world. So I believe again that there is meaning to my challenge. I believe again that it's not despite the darkness that I'm experiencing, whether it's in Shalom Bayes or it's in parenthood or it's in relationships or it's in or it's in trying to be or it's or it's within any gather of any challenge or struggle that I face in life. Again, I want to, from the standpoint of Shiloh and Ramesha, however distant from Kedusha as it may appear, a person has gambling addictions. Like, what's holy about that? On the contrary, it's like, I have to take care of this and then I can serve Hashem. And the answer is no, right? No. There's functionality in that. Hashem is trying to teach you something there. Every minute of life that led up to the current moment is a heksher mitzvah for the mitzvah of taking the next step forward. Crazy way. We have to look at it this way. Because a life of emuna means that I believe going forward, I have full bechira and the weight is on my shoulders to take whatever the next step is for me. And by the way, this is also important. My next step is not your next step. And your next step is not his next step. One of the disservices that we do by creating a Yiddishkeit where everybody's expected to look the same, dress the same, act the same, think the same, be the same, 
make the same amount of money, make the same simchas, you know, whatever it is, the same is that we feel that there's an objective standard for spiritual success. And that means that wherever people are along the spectrum of what we would call like below the quadrant, like below the equator, you know, like underground struggling, everyone thinks I got to get back up there. And for many people, it's a total dimmion. No, that's, that's not. And this is the side, without getting into the whole thing, this is the side of what's called Bucky Bishoyv, to be an expert in knowing what your next step is and being besimcha with that. And being aware, not just that Hashem is also okay with this, but clapping my situation. HaKadosh Baruch is the greatest nachas in the world because Hashem knows what I'm pulling against to take that next step forward. So it's not necessarily a matter of trying to say, okay, so... Uh, Fine, I'm ready to do tshuva, done. Three tefillahs with total kavana and, and, and three, st- whatever, star him a day. We've been between work and I'm going to do this and that. Surely it's it's nice to have, a, what? Surely you have a shulchan aruch that sets the bar. Now, society may have perverted that, but ultimately, is that not the, the bar that we're <clears throat> Yes, but shulchan aruch is a ceiling, it's not a floor. I don't keep shulchan aruch, right? Meaning, I, I, I hope that I do, but I, I'm not a bucky in shulchan aruch but to be able to keep shulchan aruch. Halavai. So I try to learn as much as I can. I try to do as much as I can. But Shulchan Aruch is my ideal. And if you can't do that? Every person needs to know what it means they can't or can. But every person needs to know, here I'm speaking about not the practicality of halachic living. I'm talking about in terms of eitzas, in terms of madregas, in terms of doing the hishtadlis necessary for me to be able to live in alignment with a healthy engagement with Shulchan Aruch. And for each person, that established is different. So for one person, I need to get, let's say, get rid of my smartphone because that's my madriga that I'm on. And I shouldn't have a smartphone. And I read all these tech talk newsletters. I'm talking a lot about newsletters this week. And, uh, and, and they tell me that I'm the worst person in the world and I have to get rid of it because, like, what can I do? And for another person, give up. Like, if, if I could set a five-minute, um, like, limitation so that, I, that I'm on Instagram five minutes less today... It's a, that's a big thing. That's a big step, right? Every person has their next step. The point that, that I'm making here is that there is a next step for everyone. Exactly. Every person in their place. Also, it's another, another metaphor for this. Wherever you are, that's the arena that you're in. We need to stop. Uh, comparing ourselves to the next person. Bishvili nivra oilam doesn't just mean that the whole world was created for me. It means that ba'oimik ba'oimik, there is no one else but me. And so that means that my life and the arena of my struggle is the objective uh, 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 battlefield for what success or lack thereof in Abedus Hashem means. It takes a lot of espoidados to be honest with ourselves because how can you really know? It takes a lot of tefillah. It takes a lot of yearning. It takes a lot of being honest with ourselves. And that itself takes a lot of espoidados to really get down to it, and a lot of But once we know where we're at, based on whatever indicator we have to figure out like, you know, what the journey's been until now, what's worked, what hasn't worked, the encouragement is to take the next step forward that's available to you. So I wanna make it just a little bit more crystally clear. There are people that suffer from addiction, right? And this is also linked to what we spoke about before about the talk. Right, because a lot of problems with Shmir Sabris, especially is a sensitive topic for Breslavers, need a lot of perspective in this area, are actually the result of very unhealthy 
perspectives that lead to unhealthy behaviors, that lead to cycles, that lead to something that spirals out of the category of Avodah Hashem. It just becomes like a mental health thing. It's, it's not even, it's not, so everybody has a drug that they may or may not need, and this is my drug. This, this, is, this is what I need to be okay. It's not an end of Tiber Yitzhar anymore. It becomes something that needs to be treated. Where did it start? Is it my fault? Is it not my fault? We'll get to you in a second. Every person needs to have a, have a Hagdara. But what, means to, what I mean to say is that for a person in that situation, the next step forward for them might not be Kedusha and Tara abstinence. It might mean getting a therapist. Right? That's the next step. It might mean exploring other avenues to deal with the problem. Does that mean the problem will go away right away? Usually doesn't. Usually takes a lot of, a lot of time and a lot of work and a lot of explore, exploring. Again, I'm talking about a person who's in this madriga, on this darga, and there are indicators as to know where you're holding with regard to that. That's a separate conversation. Should a person say, listen, I'm addicted. What can I do? So finish. No. No. You don't fall out of the klal of Avodah Hashem because you feel that what you're dealing with is no longer within the arena of serving God. Emuna means to say, this is your Indian. Take the next right step for you. And all of us have that darga. Rabbi Nachman speaks about this in Tar Ayin Beis where he talks about relative Yetzaharas. You beat the Yetzahara of this Madreka, boom, you're at a new Madreka, you got a new Yetzahara to deal with. Every person needs to deal with their Yetzahara. Some people are dealing with Rav Chaim Kanievsky's Yetzahara and it's just a joke. It's a bit of a joke. Yeah. Just a few points. I'm all over the place. I'm going myself. Yeah. You mentioned that the breast lovers find Shemir Sabah a sensitive topic. Yeah. But all over the Kutim Aram, Rav Nachman's teachings, more than any other subject, perhaps. Mm. I haven't learned anyone's teachings, but Rav Nachman talks about it, so if anyone should be relaxed about it. Should be or shouldn't be? Should be, and comfortable. No, I, me- I meant to... Sorry, sorry, no, I just no to, I, to, I, to clarify. Sure, let me clarify what I meant by sensitive. Yeah. What I meant by sensitive is that because it's such a big topic in Breslov, there are those who may, who may need to approach this sugya from, like I, I mentioned before, a mental health angle, where it can become incredibly disheartening when they're doing the eitzes and they're giving lots of tzedakah and they're doing mikvah and tikkun akali and it's not... It's not helping. It's not. And, and, and the way that Rabbi Nachman makes it, it's like, pff, this is like my whole Yiddishkeit. It's like either yes or no. And the answer is that there's, there, are, there are different people with different matzavim, with different circumstances and situations, and they need to be dealt with appropriately. But when we, when we do like a blanket rule for, for everybody, so then it can become challenging. So what's interesting is that in Breslov, the beauty of Rabbi Nachman is, and I've spoken about this in the past, the balance of Rabbi Nachman. Meaning, the Rebbe gives ultimate musr, right? Because he tells you, shmirs habris, hi madregas, yichudi la, v'chule, v'chule. But at the same time, Rabbi Nachman's chizik is relevant to all strugglers of whatever kind, whether they're the kind of people that taka need to give more tzedakah to aniyam hagunam, which Rabbi Nachman says is one of the tikkunim of tikkun habris, and that's what they need to do and work on their shmirs sedayim and close their eyes and whatever and stop being a pig. Great, that, that's, that's perfect. But there are some people for whom that uh, advice is 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 not relevant because it's it, their problem is is not a Yiddishkeit problem, it's a it's a deeper 
I don't want to say deeper. It's a, it's a different category, Bechlal. However, for those Chavra, the Chizik of Rabbi Nachman still applies. And that's what we mean. Ma Hashem Lakal, Afra Bishimin Lakal, coming up the line. But I'm Rabbi Aaron Kalina said, Rabbi Shimon's message is for everybody, whether it's on the Madregas level or whether it's on the Chizik level of putting struggles into perspective and letting each and every one of us know that the arena of Avedis Hashem is not confined to the base medrash or to the base knesses or to the proverbial base medrash or base knesses. Which isn't just chizik, that wherever I fall, Hashem is there too. It reframes what Sha'al is. If Hashem is there, it means I have the capacity to take the next correct step in whatever Sha'al I'm dealing with. And that becomes the Kodesh HaKadoshin for me. That mamish becomes Avodah Hashem uh, to the nth degree. That's what he's saying. If, you, if, you, if, if one feels they've failed in a certain issue that for whatever reason they feel is a central issue to their Avodah Hashem, doesn't mean you're out of the game. For some people who might feel that if they can't if they can't keep the standard that's required of them, then right. that's it. I'm done. Right. I'm out. And that standard might be different in any given scenario or so for 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 a million different factors. Yeah. Now the key is to be honest with ourselves because all of a sudden a person with <laughs> the ATR is very tricky. You can cut yourself very tricky. Very, yeah, very tricky. That that's why espoidus this is so central. Because espoidus this means you're you're talking things through. Espoidus this means you set aside time every day to 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 authentically express your interest, not in finding a hechatimsa to carry on living this miserable life, but to actually break free. And to ask Hakadosh Baruch Hu for the guidance and for the and, and for the perspectives that will necessitate uh, uh, that will allow for you to take whatever steps are, are necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned before in Torah, I basically said yeah. with, uh, the Torah grows with a person's level of kedusha. Would that work the other way around as well if a person um, going down in levels of kedusha? Would that mean that the expectation of his battle with the Torah is still at that level that he was at? No, no, no. What, what's called in Reb Dessler, Reb Dessler used a lot from Lukut Tamran. He quotes it a few times, actually, but many of the themes uh, that people call Reb Dessler's themes. Also, maybe from this. A lot of the themes are, are from, so he, Reb Dessler, one of Reb Dessler's major themes is called the Nekuda Sabahira, right? He has a kuntras called Kuntras Sabahira. This is one of his main points, and the point that he makes is a very simple one, that every person's I mean, we're calling it the next right step. He calls it Bechira. It means the next choice you have to make is relative to their situation. situation. And on a very basic level, a person who's never kept Shabbos their whole life, their Nekudas HaBechira, we just spoke about this, pre-Purim, uh, pre-Pesach, is their struggle is, should I turn on this light or should I not turn on this light? Mm-hmm. That's their battle. To another person, it's, should I nap for an extra hour or should I wake up on this incredibly long Shabbos afternoon and go to shul and learn, you know, and, and, and utilize this time of Shabbos. That's their Nukudas HaBechira. And for them, the struggle of turning on the light or turning off the light is Bechlan, not a struggle. It's not, it doesn't register. So that's how it goes. But Nebuch, a person, can slip and then the Nukudas HaBechira changes. But what I mean to say is that HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't value any more uh, it doesn't value a loftier Nukudas HaBechira any more than he values a lowlier Nukudas HaBechira. Because again, everything is relative. And so if all that exists is me and my next correct step, so then there is no other Nukudas HaBechira that Hashem is looking at. I become the locus point. 
And my Bechira, in terms of how I can move my life up a Darga, becomes the focal point of the entire existence. That it was worth bringing the entire creation into being from the beginning of time until now, and from now until the end of time, and right now in the present moment, no matter what's going on around the world and the life of every other person, doesn't matter. Because I'll say, a person should always see the world as being mechsa averis, half and half. Their next step is machriya. Essentially, what Chazal are saying is, forget the world. Literally, the world ain't helping and it ain't hurting. It's all about you. So why is the world all about you? Why is it unanimously across the board of every society? Why is it so result driven? What's that? Why is it so result driven then? Ah, uh, there's a good question. Sorry, we're also yeah. talking about results driven. Just they're not the same results that the next person. No, no, but should, should be saying, should be saying like on a on a collective level. Like why is why are there communal standards? One second, we're not really results driven. I mean, the story of the Barsham with the Wister, I think it was the Barsham with the Wister, like, where his Tfilis were higher. Yeah, it's than a horrible time. Where Zara got taken away. But Isn't that the idea that you're not actually results driven? You're really we're really effort, effort driven. Effort driven. We're effort driven. Whenever the water. First of all, there's a there's a very pragmatic purpose in systems, right? Meaning just on a very basic level, they, ha- they have a hard enough time finding teachers to teach 40 kids in a classroom. If every kid needed their own teacher, forget about it. It's not practical. It's just on a very practical level. There needs to be a collective system. There needs to be a structure. There needs to be a framework. Otherwise, it's all over the place, right? The Torah is a system. Halakha is a system. Tefillah, three times a day with a minion, is a system. Sometimes I, I, bought, I worry about that. Like, I, I would so much rather, are you kidding? I, I would so much rather, you know, I don't know, diving at home. You know, maybe there's a, there's a, as I'll say, minion, Esaknesses, Kedusha, Vichule. There's meant to be a collectivity. We're meant to see ourselves as one letter in the whole Torah. There's makam for that. There's value in that. There's utility in that. There is comfort that we give each other by being with each other in a similar circumstance where we can share, uh, you know, equal experiences and we can support each other. But it's supporting each other along a cluster of individual journeys. Mm. And so although it's one Tyra, it's a Tyra that's made out of letters. And the argument here is that we should be moving more toward the letter focus than the, than the collective scroll focus. And it can be argued that that's really what the Baal Shem Tov brought, to, brought back to Yiddishkeit. Yiddishkeit had the systems down pat. What the Baal Shem Tov was worried about was that there were Yechidim that were falling out of the Torah scroll. Gal enai va'abita, the Pasuk says in Tillim, right? Open my eyes and let me see. Nifla'ais mitayra secha. Right? Wonders from your Tyra. One of the tzaddikim said, I can't remember which of the Hasidic masters said, read the word nifla'ais, not as wonders, but nafal'ais mitayra secha. Let me see that there are yidin that are falling out the scroll. Because <laughs> they see their individual journey as not being relevant, as not being functional, as not having any chiyas, as not having any hope. Kal abita, needs to be especially on the yard side of Rabshaila. Let my eyes be open to feeling. Let's just finish. Let my eyes be be open to feeling when the person next to me nafal They feel that their letters not mattering anymore. Yeah.
Sorry, so then why, again, why is there not a customised Shulchan Aruch then? Everyone gets the, gets the chance to write their own destiny and challenge and so on. And for me, this is my Shulchan Aruch and this is your Shulchan Aruch. Why is it because, so b- Because oh, the goal, the again, Shimmy, like we said before, the goal is the same. Each one of our journeys in relation to the goal is going to be different. It will be the same then if everyone, if one guy... Because, it, because the goal is not for the goal. The goal is not for the goal. The goal is, a, the goal is letting you know where you're supposed to strive to reach. By HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the journey is always worth more than the, than the, than the end point, Right? The journey is always worth more. The, the effort is always worth more. What do we know who's more successful? You know, a person who had no yitzar and sat and learned for a thousand years? Or a person who has the biggest yitzar in the world and has a hard time saying till him after davening? I don't know. I can't. I can't. But I know that Rahman Alibabai. And I know that Echad Amar Beba Echad Amabit Ubabad Shechavan Libba Shemaim. And I know, meaning Chazal have told me enough about the way that a Kaddish Baruch who looks at Yidin to know that the struggle is very valuable to him. So in order to elicit our effort, Whatever effort that may be for all of us in relation to this goal, there still needs to be a goal that all of us are striving toward so that we know where we're trying to get. Right, we accept some of those things, the five car risky, the herring and everything else along the way. Even that we have to understand. Even, even that, even that, we, we, everything, is, everything, is, uh, is, uh, everything is relative. Everything is relative to a person's circumstance. Only a Kaddish Baruch Hu knows, With especially for points. things that are Misa Vedesh Karis, and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. I, I, there are situations and circumstances already Chazal speak about Davar HaMelech, they speak about Yehuda, they speak about others who were compelled into sin. Right? Mamash compelled. Chazal speak about the Chete Egel as having been forced. So that we can know that you can do Tshuva even if the community does a Chet. So they weren't punished for that? Should they be punished for that? Shouldn't they be punished? These are questions that are beyond my pay grade. All I'm saying is that I know as an individual that my journey toward that ideal that we call Shulchan Aruch, that we call Archa Sadiqim, that we call Masil Yisharim, that we call all of these wonderful things that we need to yearn for. I am aware in my own life of a gap between my lived experience and all of these madrigas. I yearn to reach them, but in my yearning to reach them, I need to be conscious of what is the next right step for me. And as long as I'm living in alignment with that goal, everything else is dead to me. Everything else can fall away. It's more than that. Skipping steps is also a problem. See, so you're talking about one step after the other. If you, if you suddenly would take out the shulchan and decide you're going to go up, then you're going to you you fall down further. Steps My is what you, you build on. You know. That's called. That's the that's the Rebbe's Torah and Torah of of Hamtain yeah, of yeah. knowing how to go slowly, patiently. Now again, I want to clarify and stress this because this is the fault of language. Language that getting into the depth of this now. I don't know how much time we have left. What, what time is it? Yeah, we'll do my okay, so let's yeah. let's finish up. Let's finish up. Language is, is is destructive because language is linear. Linear means that it takes place over time. Time is a dimion. Time is a human uh, uh, In the spiritual realm there is no time, which means that things are circular. Language is circular. What it means that language is, God, is, no, is, yeah. is destructive is because it's linear. That means that when I say one thing, I can only say one thing. And then I have to go to the end of the sentence and say and qualify oh. something that I said in the beginning, which is frustrating because I just want to give it a just all together as one thing. 
but you always have to go back and qualify. So to stress again, yes, we're talking about a compassionate self view of the spiritual journey and to really make a, a clear assessment. I'm trying to jumpstart us a little bit flint, you know, just to like make some kind of fire that ancient years, right? It means you can take the next step. There's a right next step for you. We can move Lamala and we can value that. We can be besimcha with that. We can appreciate that. We can know that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is simcha with that. However, all that having been said, which means what I said in the beginning of the sentence, now needs to be clarified by the reminder again that the Yitzhahar is a tricky fellow. And it's very important for a person to be aware that this very approach can be used as a strategy of the Yitzhar to keep a person stagnant and to hold a person down. Which, by the way, that getting into the whole thing now, was the claim of the Misnagdim against the Hasidim. Aren't you worried that in giving people an entry level, right, that, oh, just say Tehillim or just blow a whistle on Yom Kippur in some versions, or, 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 or which is Kari's oriented. I don't know if Kari's is not eating, but, or, or, but it's not a good thing, right? That's considered a big thing. It's a radical teaching. They were very worried. That's like, yeah, that would be frowned upon, right? <laughs> Even in these wild American synagogues, you know, that would be frowned upon. <laughs> these, are, these are things that the, that the, that, and we could understand them. And I wrote an article that Rabbi Chaim Velashin wrote the Nefesh Chaim to say, oh, okay, like, we got it. But let's, let's pull this back a little bit. There needs to be a counterbalance. And that's why I feel comfortable speaking about these things well, to the chaver in the room. First, right. Right, I that's true. First, that's like true. That. He himself holds you in, like we said. But I feel comfortable speaking about these things to the chaver here, and I feel comfortable speaking about these things on tape so that they get put out because I, the recorder is still, yeah, still <laughs> working. Um, because I know that the chaver that are listening to shirim like these, the chaver that are part of chaburs like these, are genuinely interested in growth. If you weren't, you have many other reasons not to to be anywhere else and not and We're not here. the highlights. What? <laughs> yeah. That that's that is that that's the nakuda, and so we want to move forward. We can move forward. We want to live lives of light, of chias, of living connected to amuna, of understanding what the next uh, step is in the master plan, and maybe one day, in ten years from now, we'll get to move on to the next paragraph. <laughs> you see how endless the nakuda is. Always repeating, and you find a new thing to talk about.